Hey, what is up guys? How we doing? Welcome back to another episode. See, we're going to talk about the free agency. <clears throat> I know it's been a little while and uh, I'm a little late to the party, but it's okay. That is okay. There is always plenty to talk about and uh, plenty that's been going on. Um, but yeah, let's just get kind of into it. So I want to kind of keep this fairly simple. So I'm just going to go through who we signed, um, who we lost, and then just kind of a quick explanation of how I think that this affects the team uh, moving forward uh, as far as like future free agency as well as the draft. Uh, the draft is coming up here in about three weeks, three and a half weeks or so. I forget the exact date, but uh, it's going to be here late in April. And yeah, things are still moving. Also, one thing to just kind of keep in mind as we talk about this is there's the final 53. That's who we're going to have on the team. There's also the practice squad. And uh, I forget the exact number, but I think it's like 12 or whatever on the practice squad. And the way that we're going to get there throughout the season is obviously we have the guys that are currently on the team. We have our losses. We have our gains through our free agency. We have our gains through uh, the draft. We have our undrafted free agents. Ultimately, though, we need to get to 90 players for training camp. Uh, I think right now we have about 60-something, so 60-something uh, players, plus we have 11 draft picks, which means we're going to be adding more people uh, throughout the draft, uh, undrafted free agents, I'm sure we'll have some undrafted rookies, as well as just some other players that we're going to keep on adding, and I think a lot of these uh, players, as we get kind of further down the line, a lot of them are, you don't really like to use the term, but you know, in a sense, camp bodies. Because uh, these are guys that are going to be there for camp. Uh, we don't really expect them to make the team. Maybe they're competing for a backup role or competing for a spot on the practice squad. Or maybe they're just out there working because, you know, they know, hey, if I train here and I put on some good off-season practice and, you know, some good tape in the preseason games, maybe I can get picked up by another team. So... Just kind of something to think about as we go through this. But anyways, let's talk about the gains and the losses here. So the biggest free agency gain that we got was Javon Hargrave. And I'm sure you've heard everything about it. Um, just different people talking about him in terms of how good he has been throughout his career, how good he was last year, what he's going to do, um, the contract, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into all the details, uh, four-year contract, I think it averages out to about $22 million a year, $23 million. It's a big contract, but by a lot of opinions, the best defensive slash best player available this offseason. Uh, we took him from the Eagles, so I guess you could call a conference rival uh, at this point, at least for this last season and this upcoming season where he had 11 sacks, and in 21, uh, he was a pro bowler. So we added a very, very good defensive tackle. 
Um, this is going to make a big impact on our defensive line. And I think what's great about this is that our, our defensive interior now is going to be stacked. So Javon Hargrave, in my opinion, is now our number one defensive tackle. That makes Eric Armstead the number two. And then after that, that's when you get into Javon Kinlaw. So Kinlaw is probably going to have a reduced role. Um, at least they're going to rely on him less. They've been trying to rely on him ever since they drafted him, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So it'll be good for him to have a reduced role. Hopefully that helps his effectiveness, just not having to play as much. And, uh, you know, we're going to have more of an interior pass rush, which we were definitely missing. So this is a very big addition on the defensive line. It's also going to make it easier for Nick Bosa because you can't double-team Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and whoever's on the other side. So that is uh, it's a great signing. It's a great addition. Um, so he was our biggest gain. Uh, biggest losses would be... Jimmy G to the Raiders and Mike McGlinchey to the Broncos. Now, the reason why I'm bringing these two up together is obviously Jimmy's gone. So he's no longer going to be in the quarterback room. We can finally start arguing about that. Uh, but now we get to argue about Purdy versus Trey versus Sam Darnold. So we Sam signed Sam Darnold uh, to QB three money, you know, two and a half million. Uh, that's that's QB three money. Uh, so no more Jimmy and no more McGlinchey. So we do have a hole at right tackle. That's going to be a concern. But the reason why I wanted to pair McGlinchey, Ridgeway, and Hargrave kind of together at the beginning is biggest gain and biggest losses. Now, the way that the compensatory pick system works, uh, basically teams are awarded compensatory picks based off of uh, free agency losses versus free agency gains. So it depends on what offsets, and the bigger offset, the higher the compensatory pick, uh, the highest uh, non-offset loss gets you the highest compensatory pick, if that makes sense. So basically, even though we lost Jimmy, and he ended up signing for about $23 million a year, that would normally be a third-round compensatory pick. Uh, by the way, players like Derek Carr don't count for this because he was cut. It has to be a uh, unrestricted free agent whose contract expired, not cut. So cuts don't count. Uh, trades don't count. Um, so anyways, Jimmy G and Javon Hargrave offset each other in terms of the compensatory pick formula. However, Mike McGlinchey signed, I believe the next largest contract um, of the of free agency. And I'm not positive on that, but because Hargrave and Jimmy G offset in terms of losses and gains um, by like, you know, average, whatever, average contract, that would mean McGlinchey would be the next highest. Now, we didn't sign anybody who would offset McGlinchey. McGlinchey signed for like 16, 17 million. We didn't sign another player for 16, 17 million. And if McGlinchey is the largest uh, loss that doesn't have a corresponding gain in the league, 
that means we should still, in theory, be getting another third round compensatory pick. Now, if there was another player that I'm, I'm missing here just throughout the NFL uh, that signed a big contract where the team didn't offset it with a, a sign, so a loss that offset with a signing, then he would be a fourth round comp pick. But even still, um, we're going to be getting, just like this year, I think we have three or four compensatory picks for players in addition to the three compensatory picks for uh, minority staff. We're going to have another compensatory pick next year. So next year, we're potentially looking at having a first-round pick, a second-round pick, or a third-round pick, and then I believe two third-round compensatory picks for minority staff, and then potentially another third-round compensatory pick for the loss of Mike McGlinchey, which is pretty crazy because that means we would have a first, a second, a normal third, and then three more thirds. So... Pretty cool. Uh, just in terms of like potential draft capital last uh, next year, uh, that's a good place to be is having potentially six picks in the first 100. So, <clears throat> uh, biggest gain, J- Javon Hargrave uh, losses, Jimmy G, McGlinchey, uh, some guys that we re-signed. So we, we were able to re-sign Tayshawn Gibson, um, so that's great, you know, re-signing Gibson, coming back at free safety. He's older, but he was solid last year, and it means we don't have a hole that we need to fill at free safety. So we should be good at free safety for at least one more year. I would not be surprised if they end up drafting a safety to develop. Uh, the Niners really have this uh, tendency over the last few years where they like to draft guys kind of redshirt them or let them sit or just take minimal snaps their rookie season, kind of learn and then come in the second year. So I would not be surprised if that happened with the free safety position. You know, you have your veteran Gibson in and then you draft, you know, say a a third, fourth, fifth round safety uh, to learn behind them and then take over next year uh, since he almost retired this year. We also re-signed uh, Jake Brendel. So Jake Brendel, our quarter uh, center, he ended up re-signing for, I think it was four years, about $20 million, so about $5 million a year, which is not bad for a center. Um, he wasn't great last year, but he wasn't bad. He was a better pass blocker than a run blocker. He's limited. Uh, he did get his first full season starting at 30 years old, so I don't expect him to be much better. But you know what? It's really hard to find good centers. There's not a lot of good centers in the NFL. And uh, while he may not be elite, I would say he's in the upper half of the NFL. And another very important thing with, uh, with offensive line play is just continuity and having all these guys play together and really mesh in terms of understanding and communicating and knowing how to do things like how to how to time up their blocks, how to pick up stunts, how to understand protections and how they work with each other. So keeping four out of our five offensive linemen together for another year is a good thing. Uh, so I like the idea of re-signing Brendel. Realistically, it's probably more of a two-year deal uh, just based off the guarantees and outs. Um, but hey, I'm okay with re-signing Brendel. <clears throat> It's not a huge contract, and uh, you got to have a center. 
Uh, the center in this scheme is pretty important. And again, just the continuity. I would rather only lose one offensive lineman than two. Losing two or three offensive linemen in offseason can be very difficult. So, yeah, we got Brendel back. Uh, we also re-signed Kevin Givens, uh, defensive tackle. <clears throat> Forget exactly what it was, if it was a, a tender or just a small contract, but uh, re-signed him, so we'll have him back uh, at defensive tackle. He's been a solid rotational defensive tackle, kind of one of those uh, penetrating three-technique kind of players. We also signed Colton McKivitz to a two-year extension, and it sounds like he is going to, in theory, be the starting right tackle next year. Um, the Niners were really high on Colton McKivitz coming out. They were going to draft him in the fourth round to replace Joe Staley, but instead we got Trent Williams, and they drafted McKivitz in either the fifth or sixth round. Um, so they really liked him. They ended up cutting him and then uh, bringing him back, and then I guess he stepped up his game. So we'll see. Uh, it sounds like right now McKivitz, <clears throat> excuse me, is the leader in terms of right tackle. But my guess is we're going to have a competition uh, at right tackle. So re-signing Colton McKivitz, uh, and it was like two years. Uh, I think it was only for like two or three million a year, so not a big contract either. Uh, next is a couple additions that we got. Oh yeah, we also re-signed Ross Dwelly. It seems like it's just kind of like a minimal contract, uh, like a veteran minimum. Um, I'm not putting too much thought into it. As far as I'm concerned, we have George Kittle, who's amazing. We have Charlie Warner, who I believe is going into the final year of his contract, who's a good blocker, but hasn't really developed in terms of the passing game. And Dwelly is just kind of, he's a little bit of duct tape. He's, uh, you know, when, when Kittle goes down and somebody needs to st step up, Dwelly is good for, uh, you know, Dwelly is good for uh, a half dozen five-yard catches a season. <laughs> and uh, you know what, they'll be clutch five-yard catches, but uh, that's pretty much all he's going to do is just, uh, he's a, uh, He's, in my opinion, he's a replacement level player, but he executes Shanahan's system, so Shanahan trusts him. <clears throat> Some other additions that we got, uh, we added Cleland Farrell, uh, formerly of the Raiders. He was the fourth overall pick the same year that Bosa was drafted, second overall. A lot of people said that he was overdrafted. Um, I think this is going to be one of those kind of Shanahan, Chris Kosarek, Reclamation Project types. So things that you like about Cleland Farrell, he's got the size. You know, he's 6'4", 260, 265-ish. He's got 34-inch long arms. Uh, he's big, he's strong, he's, he's powerful. He's a high-character guy, high-motor. Um, a lot of things that you really like. He just hasn't been able to put, the, put together the production on field. So we're going to see if, you know, he took a very small contract. It's like one year, two and a half million. Took a very small contract to try and revitalize his career under Chris Kosarek. And you like that. You like guys that are willing to come in and bet on themselves because they like the coaching and they like the opportunity. <clears throat> so he will have a, he will have a chance to uh, compete realistically with Drake Jackson uh, for the number two defensive end role. 
Um, but yeah, again, he, he hasn't really had high production. He's got some skill, but generally just he's he's a consistent high motor, high effort, high character guy who just hasn't quite put together the production. But we've produced uh, some solid players off of the uh, Raiders scrap heap before. And uh, in Coseric, I trust. <clears throat> so I think that'll be a good signing. Um, and as far as I'm aware, he hasn't really had any injury history. I think he's only missed like five games uh, in his first four years. So, you know, having a guy that's healthy, uh, that should be able to set an edge and play with a high motor, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, we also signed corner Isaiah Oliver. Isaiah Oliver was a second round pick by the Atlanta Falcons. He played his first couple of years as an outside corner, didn't really perform all that well. Um, a lot of people really liked him in the draft, um, saying that, you know, he was top three, top five, top seven corner in that draft class. And uh, he ended up moving after his first two years being an outside corner into the slot. And normally you don't think of a slot corner as being, you know, six foot tall with long arms. Uh, but that's where he has played his best football the last two years. Um, so he played his last two years in the slot. He did have a ACL tear, um, not this last season, but the season prior. So he played uh, about a half season, tore his ACL, rehabbed, came back, played another half season or so at slot. And uh, he seems to be an ascending player. So, you know, you've got a couple of young guys coming in um, on low-cost contracts trying to kind of, you know, revitalize their career. Cleveland Farrell, 25 or 26 years old. Isaiah Oliver, I think he's like 25 years old. Um, he's going to be further removed from the ACL, so that'll be good. Because <clears throat> that happened, uh, I think, like mid-21 season. Uh, and we will be going into the 23 season. Uh, but yeah, he's six foot tall. He's got length and uh, a good tackler, good in the run game. If I remember correctly, I think he was one of the top five graded corners in terms of playing the run uh, last year. So that's a great thing. Um, in my opinion, one of the most important things in terms of when you're playing the slot and just playing nickel is how you play the run. Uh, your outside corners, they don't need to play the run as well, but definitely in the slot, you gotta be willing to get in there, you know, um, take on blocks against tight ends, take on blocks against running backs, you know, shed blocks, make tackles, uh, blitz. And uh, yeah, it sounds like he's gonna be our starting corner uh, at nickel. So, while we lost Jimmy Ward, our safety slash nickel last year, it looks like we're re-signing our safety and we're signing Isaiah Oliver to fill that nickel role. Uh, so excited to see how he plays. We also signed interior offensive lineman John Feliciano. Um, he's a veteran, he's 30, and he's played pretty much every position on the uh, interior offensive line. I think he played left guard for the Bills a couple of years ago, and then last year he played 15 games as the Giants center. Um, I think he's going to kind of be the Ross Dwelly. So he's going to be our interior swing guy. 
Obviously, we've got left guard Aaron Banks. We've got our center Jake Brendel. Uh, last year, we had Spencer Burford as a rookie playing right guard. So we could have... There's a couple ways that this could happen. I, One thing that I would really like to see is I would like to see them try Spencer Burford at right tackle. Um, just because if you can have a quality right tackle on a rookie contract, that's way more valuable than having a guard on a rookie contract, in my opinion. Um, there's the value of having an offensive tackle versus an offensive guard. So I would love to see them try kicking Burford out to right tackle, see if it fits. He can compete with, uh, he can compete with, um, McKivitz and uh, anybody else uh, who does that, in which case Feliciano could fill in at right guard. Uh, the other option is you basically keep the entire offensive line as is, um, have McKivitz and potentially a rookie or somebody else compete at right tackle, and Feliciano is just uh, the sixth offensive lineman, and I think he's played every position except right tackle. Um, so you like having a guy that can play three or four offensive line positions. And he's a solid player. He's not spectacular. Um, but, you know, he's he's not starting. So I think it's a quality depth signing. And uh, I would, I'd be surprised if he did not make the team. I'm pretty sure he's going to be our number six offensive lineman, realistically. Let's see here. We also added uh, Miles Hartsfield, a defensive back. Uh, don't know a whole lot about him, but uh, basically defensive back, safety, special teamer. Um, he's going to be joining the team. And, uh, you know, he's going to be competing for probably that backup safety role. Because <clears throat> uh, right now we don't really have a backup safety role. Uh, we've got Hafunga. We've got Gibson. We've got, uh, I think it's George Odom, who would be our backup strong safety, and he'll be probably competing for the backup free safety position, as well as playing special teams. Um, let's see here, who else we got here? We added defensive end Austin Bryant. Um, similar kind of player to Cleland Farrell, kind of a, a long um, pass rusher and uh, just didn't really work out with the Lions. I think he was a third or fourth round pick. Um, had just kind of fell out with the uh, the new Lions coaching staff. Um, <clears throat> so with the Lions, he was drafted four years ago and uh, just couldn't quite put it together. Had a couple injuries he dealt with. Had a couple of good games and a few good plays. Um but then when they drafted uh, some guys last year, he just his playing time went away. They had, um, I forget what the guy's name is, uh, but I think it was Houston as well as, um, who's that kid out of Michigan uh, that was really good for them last year? It was like their second, the second overall pick. Um, anyways, though, so the Lions had a couple rookies they really liked, and he was dealing with just injuries, not really playing. So we signed Austin Bryant. Um, right now, I, I don't think he's... Currently, he would make the team just because we don't have a lot of defensive ends or edge players. Um, 
But that doesn't mean that he's making the team. I fully expect the Niners to draft one or two edge rushers. And uh, I would say that he's probably looking at uh, being a bubble player, if I were to just guess right now. We also signed offensive tackle Matt Pryor. Uh, Pryor's been in the league for about four or five years now, kind of bounced around to a couple teams. Uh, Last year, he played uh, a few games for the Colts at right tackle. Uh, He's played a few other positions. I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him. I would expect uh, Matt Pryor to be competing for a swing tackle position. Um, And again, you know, who's competing at swing tackle? You've got Colt McKivitz. You've got Matt Pryor. um, You've got... Potentially uh, Jalen Moore, who we drafted a few years ago. I'm not as high on him as uh, a lot of other people. Um, but anyways, so there's three guys. You know, again, potentially Burford could kick out. Potentially Zakel, although I think they're planning on moving him to guard or center. So we've got some bodies, but um, you know, the the right tackle, uh, the swing tackle, and uh, just swing offensive linemen. We're probably going to keep eight or nine offensive linemen on the roster. And it's currently a question as to who those guys are going to be. So there's going to be some competitions for those swing positions. And I expect Matt Pryor to be uh, in the mix there as far as uh, being a bubble player competing for that. Another thing that we did add was a kicker. And I thought this was just kind of hilarious when I saw the trade compensation because I saw that the Niners traded for a kicker. I'm like, no way, they traded for a kicker? And then it turned out that it was Zane Gonzalez. And Zane Gonzalez didn't even play last year because he was injured. And it was like, okay, so what did we give up? Well, what we gave up was a conditional seventh round swap in 20... 25. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. You know, it's like, uh, hey, we'll trade you for a kicker. All right, what what, what do you want for him? Well, we know you're going to cut him, so we can't give him too much. Well, come on, man. You got to give him something. Like, all right, how about we trade picks in like three years, but on a condition? <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, I think it's just kind of filling the role at kicker as far as just like, you know, putting somebody, he's, he's penciled in, he's not penned in. Um, I don't think he has any guaranteed money realistically. Um, he has been an inconsistent kicker. I think his last season of 2021, which was when he was healthy, uh, was his best season. Um, other than that, he's been inconsistent. Again, last year he was injured. Uh, my guess is that we're probably going to add another kicker either in the draft. Please wait till the seventh round, Niners, I beg you. Really sixth. I mean, we have 11 picks. I don't think 11 guys are making the team. But at least wait until like the, the like sixth round compensatory pick. I'll let you take a kicker. But please, no earlier than that. So either we're going to draft a kicker. We're going to an undrafted rookie kicker, and then they're probably going to compete in training camp to see who's going to be the kicker. Um, there's still potential that Robbie Gold comes back. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's still out there. I feel like that's kind of uh, run its course, and he's gone. 
Um, but he's still technically out there, and I think there's only one or two other teams out there that need a kicker. Um, so there's probably going to be some veteran kickers available. Um, but everyone wants a good kicker, so you kind of got to have questions about any kicker that's out there. Even Robbie Gold. I mean, he's old. He can barely hit anything past 50 yards. Um, he's been incredible in the playoffs, but outside the playoffs, he's been average. I think he was only kicking about 85%. Um, but yeah, traded for a kicker. I just thought that was funny. Uh, anyways, so some losses. So I already mentioned Jimmy. Uh, he ended up going to the Raiders. McGlinchey went to the Broncos. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, the defensive tackle, he ended up going to the Texans. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, really hoping that we would get him back, but he ended up signing a one-year deal with the Lions. Uh, Samson Ebukam, uh, he ended up going over to the Colts to play defensive end there. Got himself a nice little contract. I forget what the exact numbers are. I think Jimmy, it was like three years uh, for about 23 mil a year. McGlinchey was, I think, like five at 17 average. Uh, Mosley, I think, was like one for six million. Ebukam, I think he was getting about nine million a year over the course of two years. Charles Amenahue signed a two-year deal with the Chiefs at about 10 million a year. Uh, Brunskill, so Dan Brunskill, he ended up going to the Titans, uh, joining up there with Rand Carthon. Aziz Al Shair, he also ended up signing to the Titans. Uh, Jimmy Ward went to the Texans to uh, him and Ridgeway went to uh, go work with uh, D'Amico Ryans. So best of luck to them. And Jordan Willis ended up going to the Raiders. So that's just kind of all the notes that I have. As far as where that leaves us, just kind of like wrap up the thoughts here in terms of uh, the rest of free agency. Um. Pretty much, it seems like pretty much all of the starting positions are set. Um, or at least they are content with where we are. Uh, there's still definitely some questions. Right tackle's a question. Um, I worry about the defensive end depth because obviously you have Bosa, who's incredible. But after Bosa, who do you have at defensive end? You've got Drake Jackson, who... Struggled last year just with uh, the length of the season and not having the strength to play. So he needs to work on his body this offseason. Hopefully he's been working hard at that and continues to do so. You brought in Cleland Farrell and you brought in Austin Bryant. So I believe those are the only... Oh yeah, and you have Alex Barrett, uh, who's been a practice squad player. So you basically have five defensive ends which is what you would bring into the season, but I don't like all those defensive ends. I would definitely prefer to add uh, two defensive ends via the draft, uh, just because, you know, then you're going into camp with seven or eight defensive ends, <clears throat> and you can pick your best five. Uh, so the defensive end depth is a question. Defensive tackle looks pretty good. You've got Javon Hargrave. You've got Eric Armstead. You've got... Sorry, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw. And then after that, you've got Kevin Givens and then Kalia Davis, who last year had a redshirt year, and he'll be he'll have a chance to play. So you've got def five defensive tackles right there. I like the defensive tackle group pretty well. 
Um, at linebacker, uh, you've got a pretty solid group of linebackers. Obviously, losing Aziz hurts, uh, but you've still got Oren Burks. Uh, you've got, I think they brought back Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Um, so, you know, you're solid there. Uh, they also, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, they re-signed um, uh, Marcelino McCreary Ball. So you've got, you know, five or six linebackers. Uh, typically the team, I think, carries five. So again, you'll probably add one or two more just for the competition, for the depth to really like fight for those backup positions. Uh, if I were to guess the number three linebacker right now is probably a competition between Oren Burks and uh, Marcelino McCreary Ball. They really liked him. Uh, tight end is another thing that I have some questions on. Because um, again, you got Kittle, but after that, you've got Dwelly, who's meh, and Warner, who's eh. So, this is a very deep tight end draft class. I've definitely been interested in some tight ends. There's tight ends all the way through the draft. Um, you know, there's guys like Tucker Craft and Sam Laporta, who I'm sure people would really like to get, but they're probably going to go too early and the value doesn't make sense. But then you've got guys later on, like uh, uh, Davis Allen. I, I really liked him watching his film. Uh, you've got uh, Wile or Wiley. I forget what his name is out of Cincinnati. Um, Payne Durham out of Purdue. You've got, oh, geez, Brenton Strange out of Penn State. Uh, there's there's a lot of tight ends. Um there, there was the, I forget his name, but the guy who just blew up the combine with the ridiculous testing out of Old Dominion, uh, Kuntz, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, this is a, a great tight end class, and there, a lot of those guys are going to be available fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we added a tight end, and I definitely recommend it. You know, get someone to, you know, go in there, compete for a backup role, see if they can beat out Kittle, or not Kittle, but see if they can beat out a Ross Dwelly or a Charlie Warner. <clears throat> um, I think outside corner is uh, something I have a question about. Uh, I really liked Charvarius Ward. I thought he was great last season. Um, but on the other side, you know, you, you lose Mosley. Ambry Thomas has not worked out, which is unfortunate. He's just been so up and down. He's probably a bubble player right now. You've got Demo Lenore, who I personally view Demo as more of a nickel slot. Um, I think that's probably his ideal role, but he was solid at number two last year. Um, but after that, it gets very thin. You've got Sam Womack, who I really like. Uh, but I think he'll be, he was last year, last year he beat out Ambry Thomas. Uh, so he beat out Ambry Thomas last year for slot and outside. Whenever somebody went down, he was the first guy on the field. <clears throat> you know, when, uh, when Traverius Ward went out, they would put, they would put Womack in at outside corner before they brought in Ambry Thomas. So Ambry Thomas is on the outside looking in. And I think this is going into the final year of his contract. Um, but I think you've got Traverius Ward and then a few basically nickel corners. I think you've got three nickel corners and you don't really have a, a pure number two outside corner. 
outside of Charvarius Ward, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if they tried to add outside corner depth. I think that'd be a smart thing, just because we don't have the depth at outside corner. You're definitely going to need offensive line depth, specifically a tackle. Um, this is an interesting draft at tackle. There's there's a lot of good offensive tackles, but I don't know how many are going to be left by the time we're picking, since our first pick isn't until the end of the third. I would expect pretty much all of them to be gone. But there are some late-round right tackles. Um, Nick Saldaveri out of, uh, I think it was Old Dominion, really, uh, yeah, Nick Saldaveri, he really surprised me with how well he uh, his reps looked at the Senior Bowl. Um, and what uh, a game or two of tape that I saw. He looked really good. I see a lot of places m not having him available uh, or not having him get picked until the sixth or seventh round. So, uh, you know, wouldn't hate that. Obviously, everybody likes your Blake Freelands and your uh, Bergerons. Um, I just don't think they're the going to be there. I think they're probably more likely to get picked in the second round than they are at the end of the third. If they are, though, you definitely uh, you definitely get them. Um, or maybe somebody like a, you know, maybe a Jalen Duncan or a Blake Freeland or, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, or a Bergeron fall. I mean, I definitely don't expect it. You know, offensive tackle is such a valuable position. Um, interior offensive line, I think you're pretty set. Um, I wouldn't hate, you know, taking a flyer on a late round, uh, you know, development kind of guy. Uh, maybe you get like a Juice Scruggs late on in the draft and see if he can compete for uh, uh, to be a backup tackle. Maybe he beats out Zakel or something uh, if you're not really confident in that. Uh, but I think the interior offensive line is pretty set. You definitely need offensive tackle, though. Uh, running back, I think, is pretty set. You know, you've, uh, you've got your starters. You've got McCaffrey. You've got Mitchell. You've got uh, TDP, who I really hope produces something this year because I wasn't too happy about that pick and you got Jordan Mason who ended up being our undrafted free agent stud out of nowhere which we seem to have every year um, a lot of running backs in this draft class again I wouldn't be surprised if they take one I just really hope that it's late um, you know me I, I believe in drafting a running back every year but not until the sixth round um, I think that the blocking is more important than the back just my opinion. Um, so potentially, you know, running back uh, later on. Uh, wide receiver. I think we're pretty set at wide receiver. We usually keep five. I think we've got our starting five between Ayuk, Debo, um, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray, and uh, our speedster, Danny Gray. Um, I think they're pretty much all making the team. I wouldn't be surprised if we spent some capital on a wide receiver just because this is the last year for Juwan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod. Um, and, you, you know, Debo's contract is going to be very expensive next year. I think this upcoming season, he's only going to cost about eight or 10 million against the cap. But the year after that, it goes up to like 25 or 28 million. So. And if you're losing Juwan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod, you got to fill those spots. So wouldn't surprise me if they pick someone up just to help with, uh, you know, the depth moving forward at receiver. Um, but, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, and like I mentioned, safety already. So 
Uh, as far as kind of like draft priorities, I would say, you know, definitely right tackle slash offensive tackle, defensive end, um, tight end, corner depth, uh, you know, uh, a safety that you can develop. And uh, other than that, just like best player available. We don't have a whole lot of, we don't have very many high draft picks, but we have a lot of picks. And this is a very deep class. It's not very top heavy, but uh, from from what I've been doing, it looks like there's a lot of quality players throughout the draft. Um, I have been working on the draft, um, doing you know my scouting and all that. I don't know exactly how many players I've done so far. Probably about thirty. And I know Chapman is going to be uh, putting together his. Uh, his draft guide and I'm going to try and have everything submitted to him probably Monday the 10th, if I were to guess. Um, so I'm probably going to do, I'm hoping that I can do another 20 or 30 or 40 player profiles over to him, uh, before, uh, before he needs them to put them in his final guide that he's going to be releasing on the 14th. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can trying to, trying to add some value. I think he's got almost 300 players. I think he said it was like 298 or 299 player profiles. And, uh, you know, if, if I can submit, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 player profiles and just kind of add my opinion, you know, however I can help, I, uh, I was really hoping I could do more, but I just, I haven't had the time. So it is what it is, but I'm going to keep working on that. Um, the draft isn't again till later on in the month. I believe, I'm not positive, but I believe that it's the 27th, 28th, 29th of uh, April. <clears throat> so again, we're about three, four weeks away. Uh, the draft guide, Chapman's Rush podcast draft guide will be out on the 14th. And uh, I'm going to try and really hunker down this week and uh, grind some tape and get some player profiles in. So anyways, that was the uh, free agency class. I'll probably be back in here again in like a week, um, just releasing a new pod. I'm just kind of right now trying to focus on getting some prospects in and uh, yeah, just kind of getting ready for the draft. It's been fun. And then when the draft happens, that's when we get to have a whole lot of fun watching film on all of our new players. So I'm going to get out of here. Appreciate y'all. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. Uh all the other things that people tell you to do, all that good stuff. You know how it works. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. Uh, I'll catch you next time. And as always, go Niners.